I'm excited for this week's episode. We had a great conversation with Colby Bauer from Threadwallet. Incredible. And the Carry On Foundation. We had a great conversation with him and how his entrepreneurial journey started. He had some really fun stories. He started doing backflips for the neighbors at age eight, getting money from them to do backflips. So he started as a circus act and (laughs) grew his entrepreneurial journey from there. From there went into wallets and and a cool foundation for Carry On. Yeah, it was an awesome conversation. I'm excited for you guys to listen. Here we go. Colby Bauer, we're so excited to be here. The, the Mr. Thread Wallets himself. Thanks for coming into the podcast studio and being on the Midnight Founders podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. So half of the duo, this, right? right? What's that? It's half the duo. Yeah. You get Thread yes. Wallets as a duo. You didn't get the good one, yeah. though, I will say. <laughs> My wife's the good one. Yeah. Uh, Colby great. McKenzie, power couple right here. They're they're incredible. So we appreciate your support of Rev Road and love what... Fred Waltz is doing and, and everything. So oh, thank you. Good to have you here. We're stoked on what Rev Road's doing. Thanks. Pretty cool. It's uh yeah, it's a uh, it's a marathon, right? Constantly getting <laughs> yeah. things done and you know how it is. Sure. The startup world is is awesome. Yep. Crazy but awesome. True. Well, Colby, um, like we said, good to have you here. Jake and I excited to to have you in the studio. What um we we love to hear the journey of our uh, founders that are on the podcast. Tell us this journey from starting thread waltz and where you you know began and now where you're at today and then we're excited to hear later on a little bit about that your passion project that you're starting with thread walls yeah yeah so well my journey as an entrepreneur started when i was like eight years old um my i'm the only boy in my family my girl my sisters taught me how to do a backflip and so i went door to door selling backflips for a dollar just all my neighbors that was <laughs> on the ground, not on the trampoline, but just on the ground. <laughs> yeah, just do a straight back. Like, hey, I'll, I'll do a backflip for a dollar. And like, my buddy had the like cir- circus music, like, step right up and see Colby Bauer. And then, like, I'd do a backflip and they'd give us a dollar. Would they ever give you like tips or extra? Because, I mean, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> no, because we just knocked on the same doors over and over and like asked for money about, like, oh, we'll wash your car or we'll mow your lawn. Like, it was just <laughs> so they just they found out pretty quick, like, oh, we'll just pay them the, the going rate. <laughs> but so that that was uh, just a joke more more or less but my my first true venture was in high school i was on a plane um coming back from a wakeboard camp i grew up in arizona and um my dad took me to this wakeboard camp me and my best friend chris and on our way back we're just like so fired up about wakeboarding we're like talking about you know any 14 year old's dream about creating a clothing line where we we sell shirts and hats and the whole thing you know and so we're just drawing on blank paper and my dad turns to us after about like an hour of just listening to, to us talk and he's like you guys should do this and he's like full-on support just like you should you should re- i'll help you get the llc like we'll get i'll give you two thousand dollars to start your first wow. round of that's a good dad right there my dad's amazing anyways that turned into a small business you know very local just get into like this the skate shops and stuff um, but it was really cool really fulfilling to watch people go from like, it was just sold out of my truck to then watching people across the state in different high schools wearing my stuff. And I was like, kind of addicted to that. It's like, that is wild. You know, it's starting to turn, I mean, it, again, it was small, but it was definitely the first like bug I got of entrepreneurship, you know? Was it the fact that you're like, I created that. That's what I did. And was that kind of what got ah, you excited? Something or what about was it? creating in general so the creating of the actual shirt itself the product was really fun and learning photoshop and that whole thing but then yeah to like create something and then watch someone put money down on it and like want your product that what you created is so empowering like at the smallest level of like a hat to like you know now you know millions of wallets across the world that's like it's still the same driver for me is just like how how can you create something just so simple and people put money on it and that's that's empowering for sure we sold a a bunch of cookies when i was younger like yeah. third grade my dad made like a bunch of cookies for some school event not the boy scout or the girl scout cookies yeah. no we were the competition okay yeah. my dad's snickerdoodles were great when i was growing up but i remember selling them and the first person that like gave me a dollar for one of those cookies i was like this is it you're like I was what? like, I'm going to be a salesman the rest of my I'm life. Like trading this for like money yeah. was just this fascinating thing. So yeah, I, I completely Dude, can buy into that for sure. Ever. So that was the bug I got. And, but also my dad's a financial advisor. He's very, I mean, he works with entrepreneurs every day, you know, big night, high net worth clients that started companies, but he kind of laid out this like 
A plus B equals C walk of life of like you get a education, you go into a corporate setting and you get a job with all that. So that's kind of what I thought, even though I was like, I knew I wanted to do my own thing. Because he was a, he was less of a risk taker. I he mean. still was an entrepreneur, but I think, and so he was still willing to take risks. Hmm. But I think without having just a formal discussion with him about like, yo, this isn't the only walk of life. This is what I've done. You could also do this or this or this or that. I just assumed that like, that's what my dad did. So that's what I'm going to do. And it was like a door open because it was like, he's set up the firm and come in as like young nepotiz (laughs) and, and be able to like take over the clientele and that whole thing. I was like, Oh, that's pretty enticing. You know, the money's there that I watched my dad live a really cool lifestyle constantly, like on the golf course or whatever else, you know, just like, so as far as that goes, it was enticing, but at the same time, like being a creative, I didn't want to be wearing a shirt and tie all day, you know, like the white shirt and tie. And so I was like, I don't know, not just that, but like the, the act of like creating something myself. So I always use the analogy of like the gold mine. Like my dad says, here's the gold mine. I found the mine. Here's the shovel. All you got to do is dig. Like I know where it's at. For whatever reason, my personality doesn't like knowing where the gold mine is. My personality likes the adventure of finding the, my own gold mine. It's not even the gold that's like, what I'm going for. It's more the the journey, the like the unknown. That's what I'm like always chasing. I'm always chasing this question mark of like, what could this turn into? You know, or like and so anyway. Interesting. So the the t shirt company came and went. It's called Wakeology. So it was a wakeboarding brand, not yeah. a skate brand. Yeah, it was, it was wakeboarding. Still around or no? no? Can I get okay. a Wakeology shirt somehow? <laughs> Dude, they're vintage now. Yeah, yeah. you got to pay a totally good want one chunk of, those. of money for those now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then through college, I was on the soccer team at BYU, and my good friend Garrett G, he started an app called Scan. Is it's, this the same guy, the Bucket List yes, family? Yeah, guy? most okay. people will know him as the Bucket List family now. Uh, but. So Scan was one of the top-ranked QR code readers, one of the first on the App Store. They got a lot of traction, got a lot of investment, and then ended up getting this opportunity to sell to Snapchat for $54 million in college. So like while he's going to school, he's now a millionaire. Wild, just kind of a crazy lifestyle. And we would go on soccer trips, and I would get all the updates, you know, and I was always, like, asking, like, sometimes he'd, like, go play a game in California and then, like, drive up to Silicon Valley and then, like, raise money and then, like, come back for the next game the next day. It's just kind of a crazy lifestyle. So you had a front row seat to that whole thing. It was cool thing. to watch and, wow. like, kind of, like, yeah, just bounce ideas off. And I always looked at, you know, him as just, like, I could, you know, I wanted to follow his footsteps. And so... Tech was really big at BYU. They like really kind of pushed, you know, SaaS products and and apps because they were so brand new or apps were brand new. SaaS wasn't, but um, just like really kind of pushing that. So I ended up wanting to just design an app called Pick Play, which was a, have you ever played Apples to Apples before? Mm -hmm. It's a group Mm -hmm. game, more like a card game, but uh, taking that and then putting on like a digital version of that. Um, and using pictures, it was kind of flipped where like one person would send out a phrase like say podcast or whatever, whatever the phrase is. And then everyone in the group would anonymously submit photos for that phrase. And they're looking for like fun, you know, laugh type, like gifts or funny photos. Right. And then the, whoever put out the phrase would select the winner and, um, then everyone, everyone's name would get revealed. So that was the premise. I love the idea. I was like, convinced my dad to give me 20 grand on this one. <laughs> you so, were a good salesman. You got a lot of money from your dad. The thing is wow. though, my dad knew that like whether or not this turned into a success or if it flopped, he knew he was investing in my education. And so he treated it as like my master's program. Smart dad. Yeah. I need to be a better dad like that. That's cool. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm inspired by that. <laughs> so he, um, it came and went pretty fast. I, I think I realized that I wasn't passionate about tech and I loved consumer product. I loved lifestyle brands, grew up in the action sports world. And so I just skate companies, you know, like Volcom or Ruka or whatever, those types of brands are like what spoke to me. So fast forward, I'm playing soccer at BYU and in walks this new coach at tryouts. And I had never met this guy before. His name is Mark Davis. And he, he is the BYU Hawaii coach. 
And so he would basically take anybody that the BYU coach didn't really want. He would like start conversations. So he comes up to me after tryouts and I think my pride was like, yo, like I'm already on the team. Like you don't need to talk to me kind of deal. <laughs> but um, he's like, hold on. Like I have an opportunity that maybe we could convince your coach. Maybe you could play at BYU Hawaii and BYU. And then I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Like maybe I could live in Hawaii. Like the first, I envied all the California kids with the ocean, learning to surf. And I was like, maybe this is my opportunity to surf. All you have to say is Hawaii. Right? <laughs> yeah. So what, four months after that, I'm living in Hawaii and I have like five of my buddies follow. We're all playing soccer up there. And is the way you did that because they have different seasons, seasons. or something? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. BYU is in the summer. BYU Hawaii is in the fall. So pretty much playing and training all year round. And so we go up there and like the first thing I buy is this old surfboard that I found on Craigslist. Crappiest surfboard ever. Someone told me longboarding was like the way to start surfing and then you get into like shortboards. And I was like, no, I'm going to learn how to shortboard. And so I go out North Shore, which is like, you know, surfing like Mecca of the world and crazy it's not big a waves good place to learn in the winter time. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting wrecked. Just the waves like are the biggest wave thing. after wave. I didn't even know the first thing about surfing. Like I didn't even have a leash on my board. So like hundred percent of the time I'm not even surfing. I'm chasing my board on the beach. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, ugh, I'm just getting thrashed. But within like a few weeks I had lost my wallet. I totally forgot that it was in my board shorts and I went out and lost the ocean. Oh no. So I go back home, renew my credit card, my student ID, the whole thing. And, and, um, and then I go online to find a wallet and I just typed in men's wallets on Google. And I just see like, if you've watched Seinfeld, the George Costanza wallet, you know, just like that big old chunky black, brown bifold. The brick. Just like, yeah, the brick <laughs> is like everything, like you, every brand had the same wallet in essence. And I was like, I just, I'm living in wet board shorts. I don't need leather first off. And I don't need anything clunky. Like the, if anything, Hawaii taught me is like, don't be attached to materialism and just minimalist, minimalist lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, I just grabbed all my cards. I didn't end up buying a wallet. All my cards came in and I'm just um, put it in my pocket. And then I'm walking through Foodland, which is the local grocery store. And I see this thick rubber band around the asparagus. And I like snatch that from the asparagus and I use that as my, wrap that around my cards. And that was like the perfect, most minimalist wallet ever. And I loved it. Um, didn't like think of any business idea from it. Literally just like used it as my wallet. And then uh, I was taking a class. I had transferred back here at BYU and I was taking a crowdfunding class. And so I had to come up with a product idea to launch on kickstarter.com and then try to raise money throughout the semester. And so I'm looking through all the Kickstarter campaigns and I noticed that some of these wallet brands were doing really well and they were minimalist wallets, but they were still missing something that I was passionate about, which was like expression, self-expression. So like they weren't, they were focusing on minimalism, but they didn't have like the, the, the uniqueness, like, maybe the uniqueness, the colors, the patterns, everything that I, I really wanted. And this was at the time Stance Socks, if you know that brand, was really like up and yeah. they were just on a rocket ship. Love those, yeah. And I, I walked into one of the surf shops and I see Stance and I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do with the wallet category. And they just brought this like boring sock category to life with all these fun licensing deals and collaborations and art and so fun. So that's where my wheels start turning. And so I, I ended up going uh, onto Alibaba.com. And I, and I reached out to some of these factories, see if what they could produce. And they were saying that the minimum order was like 500 units for one style. And there's no way I could do that. So I was just like, I'm going to, uh, I can't. So I basically said, no, I don't have the money for that. So I'm like looking at all the different ways of printing and being in the apparel industry before I kind of understood like inkjet printing and screen printing and all these things. But then I came across this company called Beloved and it was like this whole new technique of printing that I'd never seen before. It's called sublimation. And Beloved, of all places in the world, they're located in Orem, Utah. Like I looked on and I was like, we're headquarters. Yeah, I think I was, I've heard of them actually. They're like an old, yeah, I don't know yeah. if they're, they might still be alive. But um, I remember like going online and like searching like where, like headquarters. And it was like Orem, Utah. I was like 10 minutes from my house. I was like, whoa. So I was like so intrigued by this process of sublimation that I, I just ended up going to Joanne's Fabric 
grabbing like a roll of white elastic and walking into the headquarters there at Beloved. Did you steal that elastic off of the asparagus too? Or no? You'd <laughs> moved on past the asparagus, right? Yeah, past it. That was okay. 1.0. And we're okay. on the 2.0. Okay. So I go in, I walk into Beloved and I, I go back to like where they're producing and fulfilling and there's like 20 people just like working around and I see this kid in the corner and he's printing on socks, like just uh, white socks. He would take a white sock and then he would take this piece of paper with a pattern on it, put it over the sock and heat press it. And then he'd lift it up and it was all of a sudden not a white sock anymore. And it was just like a magic trick. And it wasn't just like screen printing where you have to do one color at a time. This was sublimation where you could do like your face. Like he was doing pepperoni pizza style socks. You know what I mean? It was so just stripes like stripes and polka anything, dots and whatever. Anything you wanted. Oh. Like it, any, there's no minimums on color. You could do one, you could do 500. It didn't matter. So I was like, that is it. I was like, I'm going to see if, so I walked to this kid. I had my white elastic and I was like, hey, I'm doing this school project. Can I try printing on this elastic? And he's like, yeah, let's go for it. And he didn't even like ask me who I was. I just like walked in. Sure, and come uh, on up, yeah, try it out. <laughs> this so, is why you can do anything here. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, no, this is back in Orem. Oh, so yeah, you're back here now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he, we cut up some elastic. He grabs a print and he, it's a poop emoji pattern, just like this repeating poop emoji. And he puts it over the elastic and we press it. And before he starts to press, I'm like, yo, like this could melt everywhere. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, don't know what this machine He's just like, whatever. So he like, presses. I was like, oh my gosh, I love you. And uh, he lifts it up and it's exactly how I wanted it to be. Like the color, the way it stretched, how like it looked quality. It didn't look like it was just like an iron on print. You know, it didn't look too shiny. You know, it kind of just fit exactly like first try. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I had this like w this poop emoji piece of elastic, but I didn't have a sewing machine. So I just like staple everything. <laughs> like staple and like hot glue. Scrappy. Like just, you know, making just- Making it happen. Making it happen. And, but I need some more like refined s prototypes for the Kickstarter campaign for this class. So I go back to this kid and um, we print on like some of the patterns I made. And then now I'm looking for a seamstress and find, I found this girl had a, a sewing machine and she taught me how to sew and we're in sewing and she's like, um, you know what this needs? It needs a key ring on, the, on like a key ring so I can, you can attach your keys. And I like for a guy, like you tell any guy that they're like, nah. nobody, no guy wants a key ring. <laughs> like this is front pocket wall. No, like no little dangly thing, nothing. Just like give it to me straight. And she's like, you know, as a girl though, like I use my purse, I have to carry my purse everywhere. This could become the alternative to the purse. And she's like, if I could just like grab my keys with my gym pass, my, you know, the whole thing, my lanyard just got, walk out. I might take it. So I was like, oh, interesting. So I was like, sure, make, let's make one with a key ring. She, she grabs a headband from her doorknob and sews in the key ring. And later that day, I'm walking through Costco and I like have my keys on this wall. And I'm like, this is actually kind of sick. Like, I actually like this. So I took a picture and I sent her. I was like, you're a genius. And uh, anyway, long story short, I fall in love with this girl. And uh, that's my wife, Mackenzie. <laughs> and um, so from the very, very beginning of our relationship, we were sewing wallets together um literally from like day one and um yeah we just we fell in love got married within like six months it was a pretty fast um dating engagement um but prior to so we launched this campaign and it didn't raise like it raised like two grand like hardly anything but my buddy Romy um he was on the soccer team he's like he had this idea for soccer socks, like custom soccer socks. He's like, we could use the same printer for the soccer socks. And we just, we could go and sell it to like all the clubs in Utah and have their custom logo on everything. So he's like, I'll put in six grand of my own money and we'll, we'll get enough money to actually get the, the, the printer and the heat press, all the materials and stuff. So he puts in six grand of his own money, get all that. And we fulfill all the wallets. There's probably like a hundred wallets or something, you know, like friends and family that backed the campaign. And so then we move on to the soccer sock company and we, we order 500 socks, the minimum order from China. And they're, they're halfway through production. And I go in at soccer, uh, just to pr practice. And I noticed that some of my buddies were using our wallets. And at first I just thought that's like, I thought they were just doing it cause they're friends and they wanted to help us out. But I was like, Oh, you're using it. And they're like, yeah, I love this thing. It's the best wallet I've ever had. 
And then like the other kid, like another one of the players was like, yeah, love, love mine, like pulls his out. And I'm like, what? So, so independently like, they were using your they were working. You didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you're pulling yours out. He's <laughs> got his right here. Right on. I love mine. Yeah, that's right. Forever. It's awesome. <clears throat> and that's when like it, things started to shift in my head. Like, yeah, we didn't make hundreds of thousands of dollars on Kickstarter, but talking to these people face to face and and them loving it it was the validation that i needed to hear and so i talked to romy like that night and i was like yo we like we might be going down the wrong path with socks and just because of all the competition with socks like you got big players like nike and adidas and all the soccer company you know it's like that's just a headache but your favorite stance right yeah exactly totally but with wallets like name one wallet brand like you can't like there was one brand herschel that had like a black wallet that was like really cranking through and like zoomies and tillies and like all this. But other than that, like we could become the category leader in wallets and who needs a wallet? Every single human being. So we're like, maybe that's our, that's our foot in the door. And so anyways, I love that you listen to the market so closely on that. <laughs> we had to were kind of watching. It kind of was a hard decision to make though, because we had already said go on production with the socks. And so they were halfway through production. So we reached out and we're like, yeah, we, we might need to cancel. And they're like, well, we're halfway through production, you'll lose, you won't get any of the socks and you've already paid 50% up front. And so we're like, oh, we just lost like 2,500 bucks or something, you know, like, and that's a ton of money for us as college students, you know, like, oh man. So Romy and I were like, let's just go full on. Let's just, let's cancel this thing and, and go straight for the wallet category that we believe we can be the leaders in. So we, Romy is one of those players that played in Hawaii and BYU. So we we made a thousand wallets, like his wife, my wife, we're all like in the room, just like packing, sewing, like made a thousand wallets before we all left for Hawaii. And we filled this like big old um, luggage suitcase with a hundred, a thousand wallets in it. And we get to Hawaii and I told, I told Mackenzie, I was like, my goal is to sell all of these. By the end of the semester, I'll have sold every single one of these wallets. She's like, all right, let's do it. And, uh, and so Fast forward through to November, I have one month, less than one month left, and I had sold zero wallets. Oh, no. <laughs> I had you tried? Like, dude, I was just so focused on surfing and skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you forgot about it. Like, the last thing I want to do on weekends in Hawaii is go try to sell wallets. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everything shuts down in Hawaii at like four in the afternoon. <laughs> dude, it's so, so true. That everyone can go surfing. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's like they're not in it for business. They're <laughs> in it heaven. just to like, yeah. So the great. lifestyle. Oh, they're the so lifestyle. cool. So great. So, and the same. I was like, no. And, but I was like, dude, we have all of these wallets. What were you charging or what did you want? We didn't even them? try selling them. Like we did zero work. And okay. so they were still locked in the suitcase and the they closet. were literally like not even packaged <laughs> all the way. Like we had the packaging in one suitcase and then the wallets in there and we're like, Hey, we should package these and try to sell them. So I walked door to door with Mackenzie and Holly Ava <clears> and walked to like every surf shop along the way. There's like five or six of them. And we walk into like the biggest one in there. Um, they, she, the buyer's there and she lays out all of them on the counter and she's like, oh, these are kind of interesting. And uh, she's like, and you guys are local? And we're like, yeah, we're local. <laughs> like playing the local card. Um, not locals, by the way, can't claim that. But she's like, hmm, like kind of thinking about it. And a customer walks in and, and buys a swimsuit, puts it on the counter. And the customer goes, oh, what are these? And she's like, oh, these are thread wallets. They're like an elastic wall. They're kind of, they're waterproof. You take them to the beach, whatever. And uh, she's like, oh, they're cute. I like that one. I'll take that one. And I'll take that one for my husband. And she sold two on the spot. And I was like, she, the customer walks out and I was like, see, they sell. She's well, like, she's looking at them just Yeah, to, Yeah, she's like, buy. we'll take 20. And I was like, all right, there we go. So that was like another step of the validation for like for us. You should have planted that in every store you went to, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, come plant a buyer. I know. I, <laughs> I was thinking about That's that. That's your sales <laughs> uh, strategy genius. right there. Um, so we sold 20 wallets out of a thousand. So we still got a ton left to sell. And we were like, you know what, <clears throat> who knows if we're going to even do this wallet thing. Let's just try to liquidate. Like, like who cares? Sell them for a dollar a piece, you know? And, um, and, and so if we they go buy out. two, you'll do a backflip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a wallet with a free backflip. <laughs> backflip. And so we, we found out about this farmer's market on campus and we signed up, got a table I'm not telling, I'm like, not kidding. Kenzie is the best sales person ever. Like I was kind of nervous about it. I wasn't really like proud of the idea. It was just like a simple. I could see that about her actually. She's like yeah. really just personable. Got it down. It's like, yeah. oh, I love your shoes. And the next thing you know, you're buying five wallets. Like she just got that down. So I watched her and we had listed them. It was like right coming up to Christmas. So it was like stocking stuffers and 
like these gifts is like a perfect price point, $15. But we knocked it down. If you followed us on Instagram, we'd sell it to you for $5. So literally like people were just loading up on these for Christmas gifts. So we sold like hundreds of these like within the first few weeks. Cool. And so we had like two weeks left. We ended up getting through like 600 or 700 of them and then like left them for our friends to sell. But during this time, it was so crucial in this um, for both Mackenzie and I to feel validated that it could work, that people liked the product and have this like face-to-face feedback was so crucial because you could hear them like the dialogue between them and their friends like, oh, that one's cute or I think someone would like that one or whatever, you know, like, or questions they'd ask like, will my cards fall out? You know, those types of things. That's like the stuff that, okay, we can market. We could, we can do, a, we did a uh, roller coaster approved wallet. We went on the New York, New York roller coaster with a wallet around our hand and like it was just flopping everyone, no cards fell out. So that was like one of those things we responded. Oh, cool. Those types of things. I was super stressed about it with my first one. Like this one has a bottom to it, the one yeah. I have now. But the first one was just the band. Right. Um, and I, that was one of my concerns for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everyone's first question. Yeah. So, but, so I'm graduated at this point and now I have, okay, what are we going to do? Like I go get a job with my dad. Um, I had a professional soccer opportunity, but I was like, I'm just done playing soccer. I was so beat. And then this wallet idea was like, hmm, this is interesting. Um, and so we talked, Ken's and I, and she was always like a fan of entrepreneurship. She didn't study business. She studied like peace studies, you know, like conflict resolution. But she was like, wow. anyway, she she was like, let's um, let's crunch some numbers. So she like sat on the edge of the bed and she's like, crunch. she's like, if we sell five wallets a day, we could make 60 grand this year. And I don't think we have that many expenses. Like we could move in with my parents and we could figure it out. And I was just like, so glad I have you. Like if, if I had like another wife that was probably like, no, you need a corporate job and you need to like take care of the family. Like I probably, we Dread probably would not be we here. Would not be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she was like ready to take a risk. And it was nice cause we didn't have kids, like very few expenses. And so we moved in with my in-laws and lived in Mackenzie's childhood bedroom and that's a swallow to the pride. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, especially because when I asked her dad if I could marry her, um, he was like, so what are you going to do? And he was he's a financial planner too, very like mm-hmm. A plus B equals C type mentality too. And I was like, I don't know. You know, like I don't have, I, here's my opportunities. Like I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But um, he's like, well, if you don't take care of my girl, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, <laughs> no pressure. And I'm like sitting below like his doll sheep that he had killed, you know, like on the wall. <laughs> And like 100% believed that I would get killed if I didn't take care of her. <laughs> and like, I kind of started to chuckle and he like, wasn't chuckling. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> so I had this pressure, you know, and now living with him, I'm like, I'm going to start. You could kill me at any time. He knows. <laughs> yeah. You kill me in my sleep. Can yeah, I just exactly come back to her and not see him anymore? You know. But like, I wake up at five every morning and I'm like proving to this guy, like I'm going to work my butt off and we're selling elastic wallets for heaven's sake. So he obviously he's skeptical, like, there's no way, there's no way this is going to work. And so every morning he'd walk down and be like, so how many wallets do you sell today? You know? And it's like kind of condescending, not, he's a good dude. Like he's not like actually being condescending, but it's just like, you felt like that. I felt like, man, I got to really figure this out or else I lose some trust here, you know? So anyways, I, um, we work out of their, their place for like six months. We said, we'll give it six months. If it's not working, then we'll reevaluate. And if it's working, let's keep going. So Mackenzie took on all the marketing. It was like right during Instagram, like influencer marketing is brand new. So she just would send out boxes of these wallets and like nice handwritten notes and like get a bunch of posts and like start to build hype. And we started collecting email addresses and we said, okay, we're going to launch our website on this day. And uh, we ended up doing like another Kickstarter campaign. Then we launched our website. And then the first day of launching our website, we made $16,000, which was like way more than we ever thought. I was like, wow. who's wanting to buy wallets? Like at this right now, who's ready to buy a wallet? It's just crazy that like we, cool. s- so it was like all due to Mackenzie's like outreach, you know? What year like, was this roughly? 2015. 15, okay. It was like literally January of 2015 is when we started. And, um, and so we're, we're cranking through month after month. And, um, the problem was we were selling good chunk. I mean, a decent amount of wallets, but we had never started a business before. So other than like a small, like shop, you know, so we were doing all the production. So I would spend my day, like heat press, cutting the elastic printing heat, like ordering all that stuff from China, like doing the whole supply chain thing, production. 
And then I would give her like these chunks of elastic with all the key rings and stuff, and she would then sew them. So she was also doing social media and sewing and customer service. And I was doing like website, product design, graphic design, reaching out for photo shoots. Like we kind of just like picked our lanes, you know? And um, so it's it's got some momentum, but it's like really hard to keep up. And mentally it's hard to keep up just because like you're just working all day, just pressing wallets and sewing like in front of this like thing that's fume, you're inhaling fumes, you know? But we did that for two and a half years. We did like, literally we ended up, we we're pregnant. So we moved into this little cottage home and we ran out of this uh, 10 by 10 bedroom. We had our fulfillment center. She was sewing. I had the printer and there was like all just like barely, we we're just crunched in there and uh, we made it work. But so first year we did $150,000, which was like more, more, more than double than what we even thought. You know? That's amazing. And so it was really like, even 150,000 was way more than I ever thought. So you could consider that a hobby, not really a business at this point. But for us, this was like a business. And this was like, we're making money and we're able to pay ourselves now. Cause we, at the start, I was coaching soccer camps and she was teaching online at BYU Hawaii and she was babysitting. So between the both of us, we had three jobs and then one and then thread. And then at six months we were able to start paying ourselves. So we're like, no, this is not just a hobby. Like this is providing for our lifestyle. And so it just kept ramping up. Second year, we made $250,000. And um, you could call that pretty rapid growth on one hand, but you could also call it like pretty like easy, you know, like pretty slow at the same time. Organic, but it was enough, right? It was like, solid. Well, it's, it's something, you know, yeah. and it's, it's working. Yeah. Um, but then I, at this point, I was also like, just when I, we talked about this earlier, like podcast, when I was, I was just like consuming everything I could because I just wanted to learn, how do I do this? How do I start a company? And I was listening to podcasts about Facebook ads and how those were just like making millions of dollars for companies. And I was like, we need to do Facebook ads. And so we found a guy, his name's Logan. He's still our e-commerce director today. And he started running ads for us. He worked at Vivint, but then he would, and he'd ran all their ads for Vivint. And then he would, at night, he would run ads for us and just make a chunk of money. And, um, but they started cranking like just Facebook ads. So our third year, we made our first million dollar year. So we, we grew per, like exponentially wow. our third year and it was working. Meaning when I say it was working, it was like basically in essence, we built a machine where if you put a dollar in, $4 would spit out. That's, cool. that's how good it was working. So you were dialed in. We were dialed. Like it, as far as like customer acquisition, like we could never hit those numbers now. You can't, I can't find a company that can put in a dollar. Yeah, and things have changed a lot since then. And but. that's like $4 profit too, not just like revenue. This was like, so the only- <laughs> It was a vending machine. It was a vending machine, but the problem was we were not built to scale. We did yeah. not have, we did not have supply chain built. We didn't have production. We were doing it all in-house. We were doing fulfillment in-house. You were still doing all of it all in of that, that one room. Yes, we ended up after like year two, we got into a, a like by strip mall little like place right by uh, 180 tacos yeah and just got like a little room that we were so we weren't actually because we were expecting a baby so we had to get out of that room and then anyways so we're in the fumes office. and stuff you don't want all that stuff exactly yeah. yeah so we're in like an office um, i'm trying to do the math in my head but a million dollars at 15 dollars a wallet that's like what Seventy thousand wallets. Oh yeah, you're better at math than I am. Yeah, probably. So I'm sure that every order that came in, you're like, yes, more money, and then you're like, no, we got to fulfill this. Exactly, it was like stressful almost. Dude, exactly what it was. Mm. Where like I, we got this order from Vivint and this comp and this company called Chubby's. It was a business to business deal, and they ordered like five thousand wallets or something, and I was like, like awesome, stoked, but I was also like, here we go. Like Late I gotta nights go press for the all next these, you know? six months, right? And so at this point, I was like, "Dang! Like, what? Do we we got to really figure this out." So I then started figuring out all the supply chain stuff, and then we outsourced fulfillment to this company called Evo Box, which is still our fulfillment center. Um, and that, if there's any advice I give to any like entrepreneur, it's like get those things off your plate so you can focus on like the thing, your core competency. Let like other people focus on their core competency. You focus on yours. And even though you might pay a premium, it's like you're you're not having to deal with the headache or the opportunity cost is bigger to just focus on what you're doing, you know, That's what you're cool. good at. So Well, and then one other trend I'm noticing here with you is you've got the same people you've been with the whole time. So there's a loyalty factor there that sounds like you guys really take serious at yes, Threadwall. Yes, 100%, yeah. So looking at year three, finally dial in factory, dial in all this, th all this stuff, and then 
So now we can crank. Now we're like, okay, we got this machine. Now we can just like double down, just spend the, the budget up and it's working. I was like, when is it going to break, Logan? He's like, just, I was like, just keep spending. Like double budget next week, double budget next week. And it just kept working. That and sounds so fun and dude, exciting. It's like, you can't find that today. That I'm sounds serious. so like, fun. It's hard yeah. to, um, and so we just kept pushing and based on like how much, we had to grow it responsibly because we didn't take any outside investment. So we like, we had to fund the, the POs. So it's not like we could just like ramp this thing up to like 20 million a second, <laughs> you know what I mean? So we ramped it up to like 4 million that next year and then doubled to 8 million. And that point, like that four and a half million year is when we needed to um, really build our team. And I knew this like just business philosophy, like I needed to lay a really solid foundation of, of processes and people. And my thought process during this time was I, we don't really have the money to go afford like a major salary. You know, like if I wanted to build an executive team, I can't just afford like five big salaries. Um, but also do I, I was also felt kind of inadequate. So I was like, I don't even know if I want like this experience, these experienced people to come in, you know? So I was like, I'm going to find these hungry guys that are like entrepreneurs, you know, guys and girls. And just like people who are in it for the long run, people who want a chunk of equity and are willing to like sacrifice and work with me on this. And that's exactly what we did. And we just worked within our small network of, of people and somehow things lined up where we, we had all five executives come in within the same month. Like it all just somehow lined up and um, we got into a new office. And that year it was like when we did 8 million and then it just started ramping up to, you know, well into eight figures a year now and 70 something employees. But thinking about back in the early days, sitting on the edge of the couch or the bed, crunching numbers, five walls a day, like no, <laughs> no way we're doing what we're doing now. I never so would have believed cool. you. Um, and how's so, your relationship with your father-in-law now? <laughs> yeah, it was always like, as every time we'd get more more sales, it was like, oh, this is actually working. And I was like, haha, proved you wrong. <laughs> no, but it was a payday for you right awesome. there, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're um, it's just awesome. We're we're expanding our product line now. Amazing team, absolutely amazing, and um, just based here in Provo, and love what we do. Like we don't see an end to it. We just keep going. And you're still working side by side with Mackenzie. Oh yeah. So Ken's, um, I mean, we have three girls now, so Ken's has taken somewhat of a step down. She's still involved, but not as much. And, um, she was our CMO for years and then, um, she's incredible at it. It's funny cause she like took a step down to want to be a mom, but she also is like so passionate about like service opportunities. She just pretty much traded her time for that anyway. So it's like, she's working just as much. Um, but she does so much. She's raising raising a ton of money for refugees and she's really passionate about women empowerment and women in business. She's constantly doing events. Like She's amazing. She's amazing. She's We're excited to have her uh, sponsor one of the awards at the uh, entrepreneur competition coming up at Rev Road. Cool. So cool. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will be honest though, like those first two years starting a business and starting a marriage was not easy. Like, and we were I arguing it. like daily, like, yelling arguments daily like to the point where i was like i can't do this like something needs to change and so we just like um i would say a big actually part of it was just like the anxieties that we both were feeling um we both have anxiety and, and she actually got on some medicine like two years into our marriage and it was like it flipped completely like a 180 switch mm -hmm. like there was just her ability to manage stress just changed our marriage and not not saying it was all, all on her but that helped me too. Mm. And then um, I'm now on medication, the same medication and it's done the same for me, but. That's cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, that was not easy. It was um, very, very difficult. I mean, I, I, my anxiety, like I hold it in my stomach and I'd wake up with just knots in my stomach and it would just progressively get more and more painful through the day to the point at night, it was just like paralyzing. Like I just have to lay down mm. and it just sucked. But um, I mean, it was all worth it, you know? And we're, I would say the things that we learned being in business together, being able to learn to communicate and take critique and all those things, that's only bettered our marriage. It was just really hard to get through. You know? Yeah, it was a fire. Yeah, yeah, it's a fire. It's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, well, I've been a fan of your products from the very beginning. Kelsey, actually, my wife, uh, she has two. She just bought one of the, like, uh, I don't even the know bags. what to call it, the bags. Crossbody yeah. bag, yeah. Yeah, she loves that. Thing. Oh, awesome. So we bought that a couple months ago. Oh, cool. Um, 
But what's next? What's what are you working on right now? With Thread, it's just product expansion, um, sales channel expansion. So we're into some major key accounts now, like you know Zoomies and Tillies and uh, REI and Shields, those types of account of accounts. And then, um, yeah, there's a lot of expansion there. But one thing that Mackenzie and I along the way, we always we always treated God as our business partner, and um, He's the best business partner to have because he can read the future. Um, but he always lined up things, and we always said, like, if if um, we're given so much, let's keep trying to give back where we can. And so along the way, where it wasn't a ton, we would try to give, whether that's, like, product or some cash donations to organizations we believed in. And um, and we realized, like, we we would love to start our own thing eventually, and we didn't know when that would be. We felt like if we really wanted to drive impact, it had to be, we had to like narrow our focus. We couldn't just be like kind of spreading too thin. And so I always thought like for years, I would I'd pray about this, like what sh- what's the thing, you know, what's the one thing that we're passionate about? And I'd always have this answer like mental health and addiction recovery. Cause my, my mom's an a- addict. She's been an alcoholic my whole life. Um, she's been sober for two years. So she's doing awesome right now. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. I'm stoked for her. Um, and then just watching the, I mean, that all rooted in my uncle committed suicide because of severe OCD and depression. So like how that, that affected my mom to like pick up alcohol and then watching that affect me and my anxiety and my sisters and so many other things that come from addiction and those, those trials that affect mental health. And so those things would come to my mind, but I always was resistant because I was scared. I, I was so emotionally triggered by the topic that I didn't want to be close to it. So I ended up just like kept kicking it down the road. And, but my mom's addiction just got like so bad. So like 2020, she lost her job and she just got in this like really bad binge cycle where she, she'd be found like on the streets, passed out or like in a grocery store, passed out like daily, you know, I get a call from the cops or whatever she ended up like breaking her arm like completely from her elbow. It was like completely uh, hanging. And then she broke her rib. She was passing a kidney stone. Her face, she had fallen on her face so her whole face was like black and blue. This was down in Arizona? This was in Utah. This, this is here, okay. And so she's kind of like living at my grandma's, but then my grandma was like, you gotta come get her out, you know? And then she would like jump to my sister's house and then that, she just exhausts that. And so now she's homeless at this point. And I'm like, when is this going to end? Like, she's either going to die or hopefully she gets thrown in jail and, like, sobers up. But, like, there's nothing we can do. Like, we're so, like, we just felt helpless. And that's when my anxiety was just out of control. It's probably so hard to see that, wasn't it? Oh, dude. Like, picking Addiction's up your mom. Addiction so hard. Yeah. It really is. Like, I had to pick up my mom from, from like, the streets within this, like, mm. covered in her own feces, you know, and then what do I do? Drop her off at a homeless shelter okay, where's the hope in that? And so like, you're just constantly like, I'm just, I had three panic attacks in like one week and I was like done. And during this period, I'm like, okay, I need to get some clinical attention. I need like, okay, I need to see a therapist, get on some medicine. That's that's what I did. But I was also like, I need an outlet and skateboarding was like my go-to. We have a little half pipe in our office and I'd stay up till like one, two in the morning with friends, just skating like all, all night, just trying to like get my mind off of it. And that was it therapeutic would, for you probably. Yeah. The action of, of progression is very therapeutic feeling like, okay, you're not stagnant. There's something that you can control and you just move, you're moving forward. Um, that's, that was really therapeutic, but then also the community around skateboarding was therapeutic. Cause like you skate for an hour and a half and then you talk for an hour and a half and it's just like, and skaters, they like, they pick their own family. You know, it's not like a team sport where you kind of just like you're thrown in with a team. It's like you create your own team. So a lot of these guys are misfits. A lot of these guys are dealing with similar, similar things. And so you can like really connect on that level. Um, yeah, I'm, lear- I'm not a skater myself, but my son is, and I'm learning they're very united together. Yeah. And they've got each other's back. 100%. And, and they do that almost in an unspoken way. Yeah. It's been really interesting to see that. Well, it's, there's a mutual respect, an immediate respect that you're skating in general. Um, you have to earn some of it. Like at a skate park, it's not like you can just be welcomed as a, a skater or like the local crowd. 
you have to like really earn. You can't walk up with a skateboard on your shoulder. <laughs> you, like, you have to like yeah. throw a kickflip. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no posers <laughs> allowed, right? There is like a level of, it's like the most inclusive, exclusive group yeah. in the world. It's weird yeah. how it works. but um, Interesting. They so, want to see you wipe out hard one time doing a cool trick, they, and they, then you're in for life. They respect <laughs> slams for sure, yeah. Right? Um, and the fact that you're out there. But um, so during this time, I'm skating a ton, and this whole thing about, like, when is this going to end? Why am why is my mom still suffering from this? Like, is there an end? What am I supposed to learn? These questions keep coming to my head. And finally, like, I lean into, okay, I'm going to – I'm going to do this nonprofit. I'm going to, I'm going to give back in this, in this topic. This is where I can help kids. It's where I can help adults. I can help people to just, you know, find some relief in through action sports, build character, um, learn some of these life skills, these mental skills, like resilience. Cause you can, you know, you're going to fall on your face in skateboarding, you know, like those types of things. So how do I combine mental health with action sports? That was, that's the premise. And so, during this time, it's 2020, we are running a campaign at Thread called Carry On. Carry On is, we just did this really cool video series about some of our ambassadors and like how they carry on. We're speaking to the world because like at this point, everyone needs a message of let's carry on, let's keep pushing. And so we're, we're trying to give this back to our community and um, it's resonating with me, this carry on narrative of like progression and when you're at your lowest of lows, carry on makes sense. And when you're at your top, top of your game, carry on means per, keep going, progress. It always is relevant. And it's relevant as big as like, okay, you lost your dad or your mom just got diagnosed with cancer or your parents get divorced to like, I'm trying to learn how to kickflip in my garage. Like it's as big or as small as that. And, and so carry on is always relevant to any human. And I was like, this is, this is the hero slogan. This is where carry on, carry on is Thread's hero slogan. Just so happened to be that we were selling carried goods and accessories. So there's the play on words there. But um, and then it all starts to get unraveled. The carry on, carry on foundation is is where we can focus. And mental health through action sports is where we can focus. So that's what we do. The carry on foundation was formed four months ago. We built a skate park in Lehigh, and we've had about 90 kids roll through the programs already, and all word of mouth. It's and we're teaching these kids how to overcome their fears. Um, how to learn something new and um, fall on their face and then get back up. You know, we're, we're creating a, a healthy community for them. So <clears throat> that's what we're doing. The next steps in that is, I mean, it's, it could be massive. We want to we wanna get into all action sports like surfing, snow sports, skiing, snowboarding, outdoor recreation. There's so many natural lessons that are kind of just baked into these disciplines that we can just really be intentional about teaching kids, you know. So that's... That's my lifelong pursuit. That's what I'm going to focus on for this in my life. Thread also is just, it, they work hand in hand. So Your face just lights up when you talk about this. It looks like you're very passionate I'm about very it. I'm very passionate about it. So <laughs> how, do, how do people help? How do we get involved with Carry On and what, what do you need help with? Oh, well, so we're building, thanks for asking. We're building a, an indoor skate park in Provo, Utah right now, a full-size skate park. And um, that will be the first like full-size facility. And so we need to raise, we're trying to raise $250,000 for that. Um, so you can go on carryon.org and donate. That would be awesome. Uh, or if there's any other creative ways to give back in that way, that's, I mean, we're, that's where we're at right now. The program will, um, sustain itself, which is nice. So once the skate park's built, we don't need to raise any more money to keep that operating. And so we can kind of rinse and repeat and, and, you know, build skate parks across the country or even the world and then get into the other disciplines. So it's a, how will it sustain itself? How have you built that model? We, we, so we charge for the, the programs. So any kid that Got comes it. through, mm -hmm. if they need to be sponsored, we have organizations that will sponsor or we will sponsor, but it's a paid program. So cool. Yeah. So if companies want to sponsor a kid that's going through the program, exactly. do they get on uh, carryon.org as well? Yep. Yep. Okay. If there's companies, they have that option as well. Exactly. And anyone can do it, right? Yep. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. It's awesome. We're stoked. Heck Thanks yeah. for asking those questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talked about some advice. You've talked about your journey and you've talked about what you're doing. That's your passion play right now, right? What, um, we always ask this question, right? So what, what is it, what's the moment or the crazy story you have that reminds you, wow, I'm a midnight founder, meaning you're up at midnight, maybe doing some crazy thing. You had no idea that you would need to do when you started this business. Mm. You think of a fun, crazy story that comes to mind. 
um, a story that you'd say that like when I was actually up at midnight, is that what you're Maybe, saying? Maybe, or, or you're just cranking so hard, you're like, wow, it's past midnight and here I still am <laughs> working away or, just, or early in the morning or whatever. I just did that math. He was, he did 2,000 wallets a day. 2,000 wallets a day. bedroom. Yeah. That's the year you did a, you know, yeah. a million or, or 10 amazing. million or whatever. The, That's a story in and of itself. 70,000 right wallets is... It's 67,000 wallets, but it's like 2,000 a day. It's crazy. I've never done the math. Yeah. I did I did end up hiring some, like my brother-in-law stepped in, who's now our CFO. So he was like, he stepped cool. in to help me do some of that. And then uh, there's my our cousin and two of her friends started stepping. So I wasn't doing this solo, but. There's got to be some crazy stories from that year though. Oh, dude. Like 2 a.m. you're drinking a Red Bull trying to crank out <laughs> your 2,000 wallet. I realized. <laughs> yeah. I, obviously you're, you're burning the wick at both ends, but I. I was at that time in my life, I was a morning person. Yeah. So I would wake up at like, not kidding, 4.30, and that's not like to beat my chest. That right. was just like, I felt like I, if I needed to start my day right, I needed to like, I don't know, like work out, read scriptures, educate myself, and then get going on work. And I just felt like, okay, I need to wake up early. And so I don't know if midnight, I, there was obviously days where I was up till midnight, but I was more of a morning person. And that moment when I had, <laughs> this was like a funny visual i just was like we had this order from vivant and i was heat heat cutting all the elastic by hand it's just like this little blade and you just have to pull and then i was like i need to find an automated way to do this so i found this little machine on from china and it got shipped to our house on this like crate and i'm like trying to figure out this machine in my driveway and it's about to rain and i'm like oh my gosh like it's you can tell the storm's coming i'm just like sitting there like so frustrated but i'm like happy because we got this order but i'm like i have to finish this in like three weeks or whatever and like oh my god there's like a week i can't remember and so i that was like i was staying up late i was trying to figure this out and every time it like i just pull tarp over it and so it would be protected i was like literally we didn't have this new office at the time we were kind of in this transition so like trying to produce these wallets in my driveway <laughs> like with this new machine from china that like has no english on it and i'm like trying to figure it out and i'm just like i have a week left and i remember like i finished like the day of i was supposed to and i delivered them and i didn't eat like for like a day like a full day or two days my stomach and I, the anxiety so i was like my stomach was so it was the worst my stomach has ever been i felt like somebody was literally just like poking a knife in my stomach and we were going to the neil young concert that night and so i went with like my whole family we went to this Neil Young concert and I was just like, didn't enjoy it at all because I was just like sitting there like- In pain. And like sitting like this, didn't even like look up. I was just so, it sucked. But I was like also so relieved that I finally got that order done. <laughs> but dude, that that one sucked. That's insane. The neighbors are like, what is up with our neighbors over there? What's going <laughs> yeah. on? What yeah. is that on their driveway? Some Walter White shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask questions over there. Exactly. You're it's, covered, it's covered with You're a tarp fine. during the day and it's only happening at night. <laughs> talk to the HOA. They're good with it. 4 a.m. Colby's out there uncovering the <laughs> yeah. thing, What's like on over there? chopping stuff up. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, we talked about Carry On and how to uh, reach out to Carry On, Thread Waltz, where we reach out to Thread Waltz and order more product because they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, go on threadwaltz.com. Um, follow us on Thread Waltz on Instagram. And uh, if you want to reach out personally, um, LinkedIn is where Ken's and I usually spend most. Uh, we don't have, I don't have any other social media other than LinkedIn. Uh, or you can email me, Colby at threadwaltz.com. Cool. Yeah. Colby, it has been a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for taking some time with us. Honestly, it's been great. Thank you. Good luck with everything and the growth and carry on and everything you're doing. Yeah. Thank you guys and carry on. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.